I want to share this passage that challenges me. I've heard it presented so many times through negative lenses. I, I, I think there's something else in here, and I think it can be shared in a different way. I, I don't think it's just condemnation. I, I think it is warning, but I also think it's conviction. I, I, I think it's encouragement. I think it's strength. I, I, I think it's a mile marker on the road to let you know where you're at and let us know as a collective people where we're at. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, Timothy, my son in the faith, you should know that as we get closer in the last days, times will become very difficult. I immediately, when I say that, you know, that's a, that's a buzzkill to the beach trip. That's a, that's a buzzkill to worship this morning. Oh, we're at church. Things are going to be difficult. I would rather you know things are going to be difficult so you can be prepared for difficult than tell you everything's going to be all milkshakes and cheeseburgers and the first time you hit a bump in the road the wheels fall off your faith check this out underline this if you don't hear anything else i say today underline this here here's a sign that we're inching ever closer towards the last day's era for people will love only themselves for people will love only themselves. You know what we're gonna talk about today? We're gonna to talk about the pros of self-love and the cons of self-love. We're gonna talk about the health aspect of loving yourself and then the negative aspects of allowing yourself to be your own God. In the last days, people will love only themselves. And oh, by the way, they're gonna love their money because their money is what empowers them to continue to do what they wanna to do to love themselves. They will be boastful, they will be proud, they will be scoffers of God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others, and check this out, have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good, and they will betray even their closest friends. These people will be reckless, underline this, puffed up with pride puffed up with pride. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than have a true love for God. How many of you know it's easy to love everything I want to do? Can, can I say this to you today? I have attractions and so do you. I have passions, so do you. I have desires and so do you. I don't want to pretend I don't. When I pretend I don't, I become an easy target for their destruction. I, I don't want to pretend you don't because then you walk out of here like a sheep and fall right in them. They will act religious, whew, but their lives and the way they live reject the true power of God that could make them godly. You know what that's talking about? I know how to jump. I know how to shout. I know how to praise. I know how to highlight. I know how to check in. I know how to serve. I know how to make small group. But I don't know how to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me that has the ability to take me from where God found me and move me to where God wants to take me and make me. You, 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 you got all the external stuff down. I got all the external stuff down. But the real question is, do we have the internal component of a relationship with God that says when he speaks, we yield. When he pulls, we kneel. When he says, we answer. None of us do it perfectly. I'm not sitting here telling you that today, but I am telling you as a Christian, you're meant to embrace the tension between the tug of war of spirit and flesh. This is the, the, the statement that I struggle with. Stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. You, you know, it, it's hard for me. It, it really is. Now, I've got a couple of interpretations for that last, that last stay away from people like that. I, I, I don't have a issue at all with keeping my distance when I perceive in somebody that they've made up their mind, they're obstinate of the things of God, 
and they want to resist and persist away from God. But when I smell, when I sense the first iota, the first ounce of inner turmoil, of inner struggle, of inner remorse, of inner pain, of inner conviction, I don't run from those people, I run to those people. When I sense that there's something inside of them that God is still speaking to and dealing with, and it may not be the things that I want, it may be the things that they're only allowing. I don't stay away from people like that. I try to get around people like that. got to thinking this week, man, of one of the greatest songs of today that I think is championing this ideology. Hit it, maestro. my goodness. I told you, pastor, music is very broad. We, we ain't gone nowhere yet. Man, such a great song, such a, uh, such a great talent. And, and I know some of you that probably bristles the hairs on your back, ruffles your feathers. Uh, the one and only Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana, uh, music royalty from the day she was born, Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter, Dolly Parton's spiritual goddaughter in Nashville can hit every note on the key from high to low. Everything she touches is gold. Just an amazing young woman. Honestly, just an amazing young woman. I told you I like the VH1 behind the scenes. So when she dropped this song, the way dropping music works is it drops at Central or Eastern Standard Time in the United States of America. But because the song has a way deeper meaning to her ex-husband, what's his name? Liam Hemsworth, who turned, I believe, 27 on the day she released it. And he's an Australian. She had it released, paid money to have it released on their midnight on his birthday as a gift to him. If you've seen the video, um, and this is all fact, she bought, rented with exorbitant amounts of money, had other leasees bought out to film the video in the house that he had multiple affairs on her with while they were married. She gets by the pool in the video. I told you, I, I'm a fact, I'm a, I got to know. You think going to the barbershop is good. You think going, like every time I go get my hair cut, I learn so much. I mean, as people, they know everything in West Monroe, like the FBI around here. <laughs> she does a scene by the pool where she's doing CrossFit training as a sign to him, basically saying, you know, what you messed up, what, what you destroyed, I can do better. I, I don't need you. I can love myself better than you can. First, first lines of the song talk about the house they built in California together. And, uh, and then in the California wildfires, uh, their house burned down to the ground. And she took that as an omen that when her house burned down, her whole life with him was built on a house of cards. Out of that hurt, out of that, that pain, out of that agony, she made a radical decision to run and to move a different way, not needing that love and affirmation from a husband, but that she could give it to herself. Not, not all bad, not, not all negative. Let me, let me share a little bit with you. 
I want to begin our time this morning. If you just went to Webster's Dictionary and you begin to talk about the term self-love, um, here's, here's what it would tell you, that self-love means that you accept yourself fully for the way you are. Accept yourself fully for the way you are. I, I, I doubt very seriously t- today um, I could be married to Brooke if, if, if the agreement was the day we got married 13 years ago, you, you have to accept me the way that I was. Matter of fact, I, I can show you video evidence of Brooke on the 700 Club years later, and they're saying, tell us about this guy. Tell, tell us about, and Brooke goes, I don't know him. I've never met him. I've never seen him. It's hard for me to even imagine John being like that because I didn't know him then. But imagine getting in a relationship with someone and saying, hey, you got to accept me the way that I am. You've got to accept me the way that I'm broken, the way that I'm perverted, the way that I'm hurt, the way that I'm bitter. You got to accept me that way. It's not Bible. It's not Bible. The ideology of self-love today says I accept myself fully. I treat myself with kindness and respect and I nurture and I grow throughout my years of humanity throughout the years of my life that I grow in my mental health and well-being. Now, guess what? That is Bible. Every one of our lives in Christ in the Bible is at a starting place, transformation. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. All of a sudden, I become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And then from that day forward, I start a progression of growth and maturity and nurturing my spiritual health and well-being, taking on a form of Christ-likeness or godliness. That, that sounds like being a Christian, correct? One half of this ideology says, I just accept myself fully for how I am. And the other half says, then I spend the other days of my life nurturing that, growing in that, becoming who that person is. I, uh, I, I think that... If I would have continued to do that in my life of addiction, continuing to nurture that, I, I probably wouldn't be your pastor today. I, uh, I don't think it has anything to do with being qualified. I just don't think that was the road that would have led me here. Self-love encompasses not only how you treat yourself, but also the thoughts and feelings that you have about yourself. Let, let's, let's just define the word self through the lenses of the Bible. Here's what the Bible says, every one of you in here, no matter who you are, where you're from, what's your background, what's your story, is you are actually a spirit. You're a spirit. Your spirit has a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your, your intellectual capacity to process. And that that spirit and soul are so closely interwoven together that only the word of the living God can decide and divide asunder what is your spirit from God and what is your soul of fallen man. And both of those are housed in a compartment called your earth suit. Your body is your legal access to operate in this earth. If you don't have a body, you can't operate on planet earth. Demons, disembodied spirits, they're encountering Jesus. Where are they begging to go when he's driving those spirits out of the man in the tombs of Gadara? Cast us into the pigs, just cast. They need a body to operate in this earth. You need a body to operate in this earth. If your spirit comes out of that body, that body from dust it was created to dust it shall return. But I got news from you. That spirit, which is pneuma, which is ruach, which is God breathed into the nostrils of Hadam, Adam, and made him a living being. That breath is eternal and it will live somewhere for eternity. And from the giver of spirits, your spirit shall return. Your body's not who you are. Your your body's not who you are. The spirit inside of you is who you are. You, You are a spirit. You have faculties and emotions and the ability to process and intellectual capabilities. 
And those are housed in this body that give you the ability to have a mortgage and to own a business and to parent children and to live in this life. So many of us today are, are, are focused on this external body. Now, now listen, this is, this is going to hit home because I know what I do. Here's what I do. I beat this body into submission. I go to the gym six days a week. I measure food. I count calories. I do push-ups and crunches and sit-ups and, and pull-ups. And I had a dear friend say to me this week in a joking sense, he said, I just wish you could be happy with you. And the truth of the matter is I said, man, I am happy with me. This has nothing to do with me trying to be happy with me. It's more of a challenge to me to see what I can get out of this body. How much control can I administer over it? Because oftentimes here's what happens. The body is administering control over you. When it gets hungry, you feed it. When it has desires, you surrender to them. When it's sleepy, you rest it. So much of our life, we spend being led by the cravings and passions of desires of what this flesh wants. And for me, it's a challenge to see how much I can beat it into submission. I told you several weeks ago when, when I started eating, it started giving me, it started giving me, reminding me that, that, that I have strength and that I have discipline, I, I have the ability in God to be more in control than I have been in, through God. But, but now, now, and you know I love everybody in here, right? I love everybody in here, I love everybody. My name is John, I'm your friend. <laughs> I'm a Joyce Myers fan. <laughs> Joyce Myers said, if the bar needs painting, paint that bad boy. <laughs> I ain't got no problem with tattooed eyebrows. <laughs> I ain't got no problem with tucks and pushes and lifts and tools and I ain't, got, I ain't got no problem. I mean, lift it, cut it, tuck it, snip it, stretch it, grow, paint it. I Men, get back up from the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Get off the sweet tea and the Coca-Cola. Get to the gym. Exercise. Take care of yourself. The Bible says it's a temple. It's a tabernacle. It's God's dwelling place. Put some effort in it. Take care of what God's given you. Scientific fact is proven you're going to live longer if you exercise. But listen to me. None of that is who you really are. I don't care if you tuck it, cut it, snip it, pull it, stuff it. I, oh, I'm over there doing it too. I ain't got no problem with it. If the barn needs paint, paint it. Joyce Meyer said, I ain't got no problem with women in makeup. If it needs paint, paint that bad boy. But listen to me. Remember, that's not who you are. That's how you look. That's, that's, that's not, listen, you can have a 28 waist, men. You can have a 17 inch bicep. You can have a head full of hair, a bank account full of money and an empty life. <laughs> Ladies, you can have, I don't even, man, I'm gonna have to dig deep. I'm gonna have to dig deep right here. <laughs> Oh, I have to dig deep. 28, 36, whatever he said. I don't remember. I, all I remember is my mama teaching me that song, Clarence Carter, Clarence Carter. <laughs> you can blame my mamas if you want to blame anybody. <laughs> she liked music too. She made me listen to all of it. You can have all of them numbers in the right places. <laughs> Not in the wrong places. <laughs> And still have an empty life, have a broken heart, have a shallow love for people, have, have, have shallow relationships, not have meaningful and lasting relationships with your children. You, you, you follow me? You say, I, I thought we was talking about self-love. Listen, I am. And there's some healthy aspects to self-love, but there's also some stuff with this, with this, with this, uh, self-love ideologies and philosophies that you think are new. They're not. They had just resurfacing from centuries ago. There's nothing new under the sun. These same ideologies have already swept through humanity, through civilizations in different times past to convince people of lesser and weaker faith that this was the truth and not wrong that have already hurt and destroyed other people's lives. Listen to me. 
There's some of this stuff that we don't need to swallow hook, line, and sink. Here's what ends up happening. This, this is what I, what I hear in my spirit. Matthew 23 says, woe to you. And again, he's talking to the religious. Woe to you, scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're so worried about cleaning and what the outside of the cup and the dish looks like. But on the inside, you're full of extortion and pride and envy and passion and self-indulgence. And when I, when I read this scripture, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me today, have we bought into the religion of external Christianity? Have we bought into this external facade of this is what happiness and fullness really is? What I got in the driveway, where I live, what my zip code is, what is in the bank account. Jesus said, listen, here's the real truth of the matter. Put some emphasis on the inside of the dish, on the inside of the cup, on the inside of the heart, on the inside of the marriage, on the inside of the children, on the inside of the business deals. Put some emphasis on what's going on on the inside, and then the outside will be clean in and of its own self. You won't have to worry about fixing that up because what's in you will flow out of you. My point is very simple, that inside of every one of us, say, that's me. There is a fallen soulish rim that we often choose not to address. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul, if there's one human being besides Jesus that should never have to say this, it's him. He says, for I know that in me, that's in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For the will to do good is sometimes present with me, but how to walk out good, I very scarcely find the power. I very scarcely find the ability to perform that which is good. I'm going to go drastic. Ted Bundy, Unabomber, Jeffrey Dahmer, people that flew the planes into the, the Twin Towers. You, 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 you do understand that this started somehow, mentally, internally, in the soulish realm, as justifiable. You can justify a look. You can justify a touch. You can justify a meeting. You can justify one time. You can justify six times. And before you know it, you're in something that you've justified is okay, that's becoming an acceptable practice, a routine, a habit of your life, of your character that all began with one little subtle and simple form of justifying. You, you, you do understand that these people were the most dangerous because they believed they were right. The most dangerous people on the planet are people that believe they're right. If your conscience, if your faith, if your walk with God is unprickable, unsingeable, uncuttable, unpenetratable, you are in a very tough place with God. You are putting yourself in that category where the Holy Spirit can no longer do nothing with you because the one agent of God sent to convict, sent to poke, sent to prod, sent to puncture, to pull you back into a form of godliness has been cut off in your life because you won't let God cut you. Paul goes on to say, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> you, know, you know who says that? <laughs> the man that gets a look at himself. <laughs> Not a look at himself in reflection to the world around me. This, this isn't Finley came home and said, well, dad, everybody's got an iPhone in fourth grade. I said, we ain't talking about everybody right now. I ain't everybody's daddy. We talking about you. We're not looking at this through the lenses of what everybody, 
It's not I looked at myself in comparison with the world around me. It's I had like Isaiah. I had a moment where I sat in the holy presence of God and I said, woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean people and I've seen my unholiness in the reflection of your holiness, God. And oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of sin that is leading me to death? It's somebody with a sensitivity and a vulnerability and a compassion and a hope in something greater than themselves that says, God, I realize I'm broken. Realize I'm hopeless. I realize I'm fractured. I realize I'm twisted. And if I get to be the plumb line by which I build my life and build my house, my house will forever be crooked. Each of our spirits, each of our spirits are born in this room, separated from God. The God who gave breath to our lungs and life to our spirits. Therefore, when Jesus began to address the very elementary teachings of Christianity, he said the first thing that's got to happen is you got to be born again. How can a man, how can a woman go another time into his or her mother's womb? Jesus said, if you can't understand this, Nicodemus, you can't understand anything. You're not going back in your mother's womb. You're going back in your father's womb. The womb you've been separated from, your father's womb is going back in you. I'm going to take that heart of stone that's callous and prideful and arrogant, and I'm going to make it a heart of flesh that's sensitive and tender. And where you've wanted to do your own thing, I'm going to write my decrees and my laws, and my spirit will move you to want to do them. No more will you need a man to say, this is the way of the Lord, or that is the way of the Lord, for my spirit will reveal it to you from within you. You don't need me. You don't need me to tell you what God wants you to do. God wrote it in you. It's in you. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he or she will never be able to see and operate within the kingdom of God. There's some major prevailing thoughts. I still got time this morning. You you turn me out. Is this an amen or an oh me moment? Okay. All right. There's some major prevailing thoughts of this, of this self-love ideology that's out there today, which again are not all bad. Not all bad. It just takes the ability to discern good from bad, truth from error, light from darkness, right from wrong. However, for the believer, all of these ideologies, I don't care if it's coming from a counselor, a Christian counselor, if it's coming from an AA book, from an NA book, from a life group, from a step study, all of these should be filtered through the lenses of the only God-breathed and inspired book on the planet before we swallow these ways of thinking hook, line, and sinker. Here's what this ideology says. I Googled these. I I looked these up. Here here are the five most prevalent teachings within the self-love movement that is reemerging again today. All right? Number one, be the love you never received. Be the love you never received. It's number one. Be the love you never received. What does that tell you immediately? You you know what that tells me when I'm dealing with a person that says, I'm trying to be the love to myself that I never got, that I'm dealing with a person that's real issue is rejection. Jared, hit that for me. I'm still up here trying to fix Pastor Rhonda's note. I can love me better than you can, Brooke. (laughs) I can love me better than you can. I sure can. (laughs) Evidently not for a week. (laughs) When someone is trying to be the love they never received, it's in hopes 
of that oneself feeling the love they never received. It's, it's, it's flowing out of a place from what I have ultimately felt at some time in some place in my life is a rejection that's led me to this place of hurt. Here's the second most prevailing thought in this ideology of, of love oneself today. It's, it's be true to what's within you. To be true to what's within you. I think it's also said like this, to thy own self be true. What was it, Miss Jody? Is it, is it okay? Is, is, is it okay? I, now, now again, this, this, this is Jody's story, not, not your story. But Miss Jody has, has fought a struggle, an addiction that has gotten out of hand, that's not been moderate with alcohol. And this week, she received deliverance from the Lord from that struggle with alcohol. Okay? So, so listen to me. If to thy own self be true, trust what's in yourself is right, let pastor tell you something. There is coming a time. I, I pray to God it never comes. It was years. I, I'll be, can I be honest with you? Totally honest. I was pastoring. I think I was a co-pastor at the assembly. I was preaching all over the country. I was in Old City that day. Life was great. I mean, had, everything was great. Lived in Tommy and Kelly Block's old house right behind the church. Kids were born. Everything was great. All that external, everything was great. And I think I was preaching in Old City, and they had asked me, would, could we go to Ralph and Kaku's? And I said, oh, man, I know right where that's at. You know, I grew up in Shreveport. Went down there. I had a, I had a two-tone Chad used to pick at me, uh, uh, Ford King Ranch. And when we finished eating lunch that day, I don't know, I had like seven, $800 just cash in my pocket, just always walk around money in my pocket. And I had seven or $800. And Brooke wasn't with me. The kids weren't with me. I'd been clean and sober for years. Life was great. Family's great. It just everything's great. And I said, man, I got in a high-speed police chase on that interstate right above me right here. And it hit me. I said, you know, you could go buy an ounce of cocaine right now and nobody would ever know. Just like that. You go buy an ounce of cocaine. You know right where to go. This is your hometown. You go buy an ounce of cocaine right now and nobody would ever know. I pray to God it don't come. It was, it was years before it ever came at me, and it's still one I've never given into. But if to thy own self be true is correct, trust what's in you. When you feel that feeling, then it's okay for you to leave here today and go get a fifth of whatever it is you drink. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. If, if, if you use you and what's in you as the level to what you build by, nothing you build will ever be level. If you use a broken compass to find your way through the wilderness, you will never find true north. There has to be something that is straight. There has to be something that is true north. There has to be something that is level that therefore speaks to us as creation and says, this is north, this is truth, this is level. And that, my friend, only comes from a perfect, uncreated God that is before all things, in all things, and through all things. He is almighty God, and he has revealed what is perfect and right and just and true to us. We don't reveal that to him. Here's another, another ideology. It says, be accepting of thyself. Accepting self is one thing. Now, now how many of you know, ain't nothing I've been ever to ever, ever do with this big nose? <laughs> Who laughed? That's a Gigi one. I saw, I, saw, I saw a little meme the other day, and it was a guy with a motorcycle helmet on Marketplace. <laughs> and he had a motorcycle helmet on, and his nose was sticking out of the, of the helmet. And it said, motorcycle helmet for sale, visor unused. Because <laughs> the visor wouldn't close <laughs> over his nose. <laughs> 
motorcycle, sale, motorcycle helmet for sale, visor like new, unused, because it wasn't no way that visor was. I, there's nothing I've ever, now, maybe I get some rhinoplasty, maybe I get two or three nose surgery. Hopefully I don't come out looking like Michael Jackson talking like this. <laughs> yeah. But there's just some things about you or me that in life, physically, we end up either having to work to address our work to accept. I don't want to be the guy that tells you today which one of those, now let's just talk about the physical body, the least part of who you are. Let's just talk about the body. If, if, if you say, hey, I don't want to wear 42 jeans. I remember when I used to wear 32 jeans. Well, I commend you for changing your diet. I commend you for exercising. I don't think it's right that you go to somebody that wears a size 42 and say, hey, fat, so you ought to get down to a 32. You know, I don't think you should do that. Don't be that kind of person. If, if you're a person that says, hey, I, I really don't like, you know, my mom bod and I want to fix, okay, great. But at the same time, don't be snotty to somebody that couldn't afford to do it. I, I'm, I'm not down on you, but, but there may be, you know, maybe you got bad toes. Maybe you got bad feet. There ain't no surgery for bad feet. You got bad feet. You just got bad feet. You're going to have to work to accept. You're going to have to figure out how to love yourself, even if you got bad toes. You know who those people were at the beach with bad toes, right? People always had their toes in the sand. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. However... What's so, what's, so, what's so comical to me is so many people want to focus, including me, we want to work on the outside, what everybody sees, but the stuff that's on the inside, we want to say today, it's okay to leave it messed up. It's okay to leave it twisted. It's okay to leave it perverted. It's okay to leave it broken. It's okay to leave it bent. It's right that way and put no effort of work into that. I want this to look uh, but this in here, which is really like, oh, oh no, that's, that's good. I, I, I guess what I'm saying, why, why are we accepting things inside of us that we wouldn't accept outside of us? You, you, you think, Jay, I'm just, you think in the Old Testament, somebody that was unclean, was really done right when you passed them on the road and you had to holler unclean a leper had to wear a sign that said leper if you had to walk around with a sign that said what you are inside of you outside of you I guarantee you'd work harder to change what's inside of you l l listen to me I had a conversation. How many of you have heard of the Acts 1 retreat? And, 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 and I had a conversation with a guy who leads these retreats, and, for, and he's always on cloud 9,000 about helping people in these discipleship freedom groups. In this, and, 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 and for the first time, they had a guy in the safety of these groups come out as pedophilia. That he has desires inside of him towards children and has acted on them before okay just just stay with me you we used to could say in the old days well that's easy to decide because it's not legal well now everything's legal if, 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 you're, if you're relying on the good old United States of America to determine your inner spiritual morality with God, my friend, you're headed for spiritual bankruptcy because America is no longer a Christian nation. You don't have to look at the government to decide what true north is. You have to look at God's word. So they're sitting with this guy and they're trying to, they're trying to, you know, at the exact same time be loving but 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 say you know this this is not an acceptable practice you, you you know god can forgive you but you can't continue this 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 will destroy your life this is going to destroy your family it's going to destroy homes going to destroy other people's lives you, you know it's a, it's a very complicated scenario 
Imagine sitting there with that guy saying, that's okay. God made you that way. You better wake up. It's coming. Byron McCoy. Byron, where you at? Byron, what's it called? Maps. Minor. Come on, tell me what it means. You're going to be identified as a map. You have a minor attraction to people. It's a thing. You know how I know that from him? Because he's been down at the school board saying, not in Washita Parish, it's not. Not in Washita Parish, it's not. It may be, it may be somewhere else that we're going to accept this. Imagine, you used to be able to say, oh, well, it's not legal. And that was our get out. Everything's going to be legal. Everything's going to be, it's, it's not a matter, is it legal? It's a matter of, are we lovingly strong enough to say to people, what's inside of you is broken. It's bent. And you don't need to lead you. Can, can I tell you what I'm capable of? I know what I'm, there's one man in this room I'm scared of. Me, without Jesus. I know what I can do. No conscience, no remorse. And guess what? That man's in you too. That woman's in you too. You can justify, you can rationalize. Play it for me one more time. I can buy myself. I don't need you. I, I, I love myself. I, I love myself the way I should be loved. I think I'll get high this afternoon. I think I'll get drunk this afternoon. I think I have an affair this afternoon. Right? I think I'll go knock off a liquor store this afternoon. I think I'll join a motorcycle gang again this week. Right? Hey. I think I'll rob a bank by our next month. <laughs> Low blow. I, went, I meant that funny. <laughs> you know you're at Oaks Church when you're at a newcomer's coffee social and a guy says, hey man, yeah, I'm glad to be here. I robbed a bank one time. Me and Todd looked at me and said, what? <laughs> Lady went on the beach trip and, and she, said, she said to Rhonda or to Brookwater, she said, oh my gosh, I'm shocked. Y'all's church looks like our city. It is very, very, very diverse. She said, I love it. Everybody in our church is all the same. <laughs> we said, how boring, how boring. <laughs> If you're looking for a church to make everybody like you, man, that's going to be a boring spot. <laughs> you don't look inside of you and say, this is okay. Oh, listen, here's another one. Here's another one. Be trusting of yourself. You know more than you think you know. There's a time in life to rely on the experiences that you've had. Yes. But there's also a time in life to call in the experts. <laughs> Amen. Jay Huckleby plumbing right here. Stand up on the front row. There's a time in life to say, I know how to work this plunger. There's another time to say, I'm calling Jay. Get the experts in here. I got a busted pipe somewhere. It's funny when we're talking about plumbing. It's difficult when it becomes the weightier matters of our heart. Here's my favorite one. The last one. Number five on the list of the ideology of love yourself first. It says love yourself first. And last, be your first and your last love. Listen to me, my friends. If you are the beginning and the end of everything you do, you are on a fast track for another disease of mental health disorder called narcissism. <clears throat> and you're headed to eventual self-destruction. If everything you do is done through the lenses of me first and me last, you've got another mental health disorder disease called narcissism. And the greatest antidote to narcissism is to become other-centered. Die to yourself and live for someone else. You want me to give you what I really came to tell you today? All oh, that was introduction. Todd, that was part one. <laughs> cut it, cut it, cut it. I'm going to give you these quick. If you can write quick and listen quick. Number two, watch this. What's the word say? Put it up there. What's the word say self-love is? Let me tell you, not what the world says, not what, not what some human philosophy, some, some, some human ideology says love is, but what, what does God's word say love is? 
God's love. God's love. God's love. And, and, and at this moment, you're like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. The greatest way you could ever learn to love yourself is to be loved with the perfect love of the Father. And only through his love will you learn to love you and to love others. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who would just simply believe in him, this person would begin to experience the relationship that produces eternal life. God sent his own son into the world again, not to judge people, not to condemn people, but in hopes that the world through this knowledge of him would be saved. The word says self-love begins with receiving agape love from God. Listen to this scripture. By receiving God's love, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Do you know what that scripture is saying? Very simply saying, Rhonda, that we need to love one another, but the only way I can love you is for me first to get the love of God in my heart. Because I can't love you the way I'm supposed to love you. I can't love my wife. I can't love my kids. I can't love somebody that came here today uh, uh, in a bad situation. Somebody that came here today in a, in, a, in a beautiful situation. I can't love these people unless I first have the love of God in me. That's what's wrong. So many of us are out there trying to love people and we've never received the love of God in our own lives. For anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed us how much he loved us when he sent the one and only son of heaven into this world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, to be sacrificial, to give on behalf of others. Not that, God, not that we love God, we didn't even want God, but that God loved us and sent his son to sanctify us and to be a sacrifice for us and to take away our sins. It's only through receiving the love of God that you and I will be able to love other people. Now, here's a challenge for you Bible scholars. How many types of love are there in the Greek language? How many types of love are there? Anybody know them all? Okay, on your English Bible, where's Miss Tarantino at, Ashley Tarantino? There she is right there. You're gonna click on the words in your blue letter Bible, and it's going to pull it up in the Koinonia Greek, and you're going to discover that in every one of your American Bibles, every one of your Western Bibles, it just says love. But you're going to discover that there's storge love, that there's eros love, that there's philos love, that you're going to understand that there's four or five different Greek words that mean four or five different things. But there is not one scripture in the New Testament that mentions the agape love of God going inside a human apart from the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The greatest nugget I can give you on why you should be spirit-filled isn't so you could talk in tongues. It's you're not capable of loving people the way God loves them unless God's spirit comes and cohabitates inside of you. And the love of God, Romans 5, 5 says, has been shed abroad in my heart when God put the power of the Holy Ghost inside of me. It made me love when I wanted to hate. It made me bless when I wanted to curse. I challenge you with this. Jesus said, what good is it for you to love only those that love you? He said, even the hypocrites and the sinners do that. What good is it to give to those who you know will only pay you back? Don't even the tax collectors do this? It takes a love more than you got muscles to love people that way. And that love only comes from God. The word says self-love is this. Never trust your fallen heart. Never trust your fallen heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, Your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who knows the depth of how bad your fallen humanity truly is? Never trust your fallen heart. If you want to love yourself the best, hit it for me. I can love me better. I can love me better. Now, watch the spin. Watch the spin. Oh, if I'm going to love me, I better get to know the love of God. It's only His love that can teach me to love me. 
Oh, I better get to know the love of God because the love of God will then show me I can't trust what's in me. My heart's deprived. It's wicked. True love of myself would protect me from myself. It's not self-love when you let yourself destroy yourself. How many of you like Morgan Wallen? How many of you like Morgan Wallen? Come on, it's all right. I like Morgan Wallen. He's saved. He's saved. He's just working out his sanctification right now. It's all right. I was working on mine too for a few years. Thank God people didn't give up on me. What's the song he's got about Elvis? He said, Cody ain't got Elvis. Anybody know the words to it? Talks about all the iconic country music, rock and roll legends, the great. What got them? What got them? What took them down? Why, why did they all die so young? Why did, why did they all lose their lives? So, why were they all plagued? With something. They were all given into something inside of them that they thought was the answer for them that ultimately destroyed them. Your heart, your fallen nature will mislead you. It'll make you justify things that you don't need to justify. Pastor Chad, I'm going to get you to come. I feel like I done beat this dead horse and rode this pack mule all the way across the Sahara Desert this morning. Then he said to all of them, if any one of you desires to come after me, here's what you got to learn to do. You got to learn to deny yourself and take up the cross that you got to die to daily and come and follow me. Paul went on to say, I have been crucified with Christ. I die daily. It's no longer I, Paul, who gets to live, but it's now the life of Christ that's living inside of me. Now, the life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me when he died for me on the cross. The heroes of our faith didn't say, I can love me better. I can. They said, no, I now know what real love is. And real love is his love for me. It's, it's knowing that I can't trust what's in me, that I've got to die to me so that he can live through me. Now that's significance. Now that's greatness. Now that's having an impact. Listen to this. You've got to discover. Here's what the word says. Discover that your identity is alone in Christ, not in who you are, what you have, or what you do. Even before he made the world. Listen to me. Every one of you in here, I don't care who you are. Even before he made the world, God loved you and he chose you to be in Christ. That you would become holy and without a fault in his eyes. He didn't say you were born without fault. He said that you would become without fault. There's two applications of that. You can take on faultlessness through the sin blood, sinless blood of Jesus Christ. And then the second application of that is you can take on faultlessness by growing in godliness till you look Christ-like in the eyes of God. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And that's what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. You're in Christ. What he is, light, salt, righteous, peace, joy, you are, I am, in him, not in myself. Where he is, seated at the right hand of God, far above all principalities and powers and wicked rules, there you are too, seated with him at the right hand of the God. I don't pray up to God, I pray to God. So I step between the loving embrace of the Father and the Son, I am in between Jesus and his daddy seated in heavenly places. I get to hear their conversation. I get to be led by their spirit. I get to pour out my grief, my complaint to them and pray down with authority over the demons that would seek to destroy me. I don't pray up and ask God to fix them. I pray down and command them because I am where he is. I know where my identity is, and I, I know where my identity is not. It don't matter what size this church gets. It don't matter what buildings we build. None of that's my identity. It don't matter if I ride a bicycle or I drive a BMW. My identity is in Jesus. It don't matter if I have a lot of money or no money. It don't matter if we have lots of staff or no staff. It don't matter. None of those things make up who I am. 
I was this person in a jail cell. I was this person in a prison yard. I was this person in a halfway house. I've been this person at every church I've ever served. It may take me sometimes to find it at the moment, but it's always come back to me. This is who I am. This is who you are. This is what you're called to do in him. That's your identity. The word says self-love is learning to lean not on your own understanding. It's so crazy. I went through the top five and I was like, wow, the Bible says the exact opposite. Don't trust myself. Lean not on my own understanding. I will fly this plane into the edge of a cliff in a New York minute. If Jesus is your co-pilot, you need to switch seats, player. You ain't no pilot. And the last time you was broke up, jacked up, busted, disgusted, couldn't be trusted, you drove yourself there. So get out and let him in. Don't trust yourself. Seek God's wisdom. Here, told Kyle, take away. Where you at, big Kyle? This is my head of security, just in case you don't know. Look at him. Everybody get a good look at him. I really don't have no security. He just tells people that all the time. <laughs> I'm like John Hagee. If you run up in here and start shooting at me, it's either my time to go or all them bullets going to miss me. One way or the But Kyle says he's head of security. I did see him squat like 1,368 pounds the other day at the gym. He's a big guy. He came in the other day. And he was talking about something in life. I said, Kyle, here's what the Jews say. The Mishael, the Proverbs say there are three schools of how we all learn in life. The first is the easiest called divine wisdom. You just ask God, but it's the one most least used. Just ask God, God, what do I do? And God will show you. Number two, you go to people older and wiser than you and you ask them through their eldership, through their wisdom, what should you do? Or the third school of life is you buy the lessons yourself. I don't know why, but I have been a student, got a PhD of the School of Hard Knocks. All of, it's like I gotta buy them lessons for them to stick. But one way or another in life, here's what God has promised. Like your grandma used to say, you gonna learn. <laughs> you gonna learn. You're going to either learn by listening to me, you're going to learn by listening to somebody smarter than you, or you're going to get out there and buy them yourself. But one way or another, you're going to learn. The Word says to love yourself is to discover this. Check this out. He's actually your first and your last, your beginning and your end. Can I trip you out biblically right quick? Can I trip you out? The Bible says that God actually wrote the end of your life before he wrote the beginning of your life. The Bible says that God started with your expected end and wrote all the days of your life backwards. God wrote the end of your life, sweetie, before he wrote the beginning of your life. God didn't write the beginning of your life and move you to the end of your life. He wrote what you would accomplish with your life and then allowed the rest of it to be written backwards. God exists outside of time. He is before all time, space, and matter. He covered it in Genesis, the first seven verses. In the beginning, God, who already existed, created in space, time, and matter, the heavens and the earth. He exists outside of all of them. He created them. He's not bridled or governed by time. He knows the end of your life before the beginning of your life. He sees it all. Sorry if I got crazy wacko there on you for a minute. Some of us are just trying to figure out how to make it day to day, where to go from here. What I'm trying to tell you is your life begins with God and ends with God and you don't even understand that yet check this out thank you for making me so wonderfully complex your workmanship is marvelous how well you knew it you watched me as I was being formed in my mother's womb in the lowest parts of the earth in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark places of the womb you saw me before I was even born listen to me you ain't no accident you ain't no mistake. 
You're an intentional miracle on purpose. I don't care who you are. I don't care what ideology you believe. I'm telling you what the written inspired word of God says about you. You didn't show up and catch God off track. You didn't show up and catch God by surprise. You're not an accident. You saw me before I was even born. Check this out. Every day of my life has already been recorded in your book. Every moment, every decision I would make is laid out before you, oh God, as one single day passes in the earth. How precious, check me out, are your thoughts to me? So wait a minute. If God made me in my mother's womb, brought me together in the lowest parts of the earth, if, if, if I'm fearfully complex, wonderfully made, I have this gift called free will. I live in a fallen world with a fallen nature. You mean God saw every decision. He saw, he saw every mistake. He saw every robbery. He saw every drug deal. He saw every needle in my arm. He, he saw every lie. He saw every jail sentence. He saw that man laying in the ditch with his throat being cut and my friend's shoe on his face and me telling him to just cut his throat. You saw all of that and you thought thoughts of good towards me in that God. How wonderful were your thoughts towards me even though the mistakes of my life were laid out before you as one single day. I hope that changes how you feel about you. I hope that changes what you think about you. You didn't surprise God. You didn't catch God off track. You're not an accident. You're not broken. You're not a mistake. God knew you were going to be the way that you were, and he's given you the gift of opportunity to become what he's called and created you to become and be. How precious are your thoughts? You mean you weren't mad, God? You mean you weren't angry, God? You mean you, mean you, weren't, you, you didn't hold back, God? No, you thought so many thoughts of good towards me, they could not even be numbered. I can't even count that high, the psalmist said. They outnumber the grains on the sand. Check out this statement. And when I wake up, guess what I discovered? You're still here with me. All these years, I was going the wrong way. All these years, I was doing the wrong thing. All these, all these years, I was listening to the, I can, I can do it. And then I came to my senses one day like the prodigal in the pig pen. I woke up and know what I discovered? You were right here with me and you never left me. And you saw all of my mistakes before you in one day. And you were thinking thoughts of good towards me. I saw this yesterday and it, it shook me and it's not good for preachers to do this to divide the house but I'm gonna do it anyways today I, I, I saw a picture of Jesus Christ bowing down washing Joe Biden's feet and then I flipped a little slide and it was the same Jesus bowing down washing Donald Trump's feet <laughs> Some of y'all was like, oh yeah, he should watch Joe Biden's feet, Joe Biden's again. And y'all was like, watch Joe Biden's feet. <laughs> and then I flipped, and he, he was washing Donald Trump's feet. You were like, oh, Jesus wouldn't watch Donald Trump's feet, he's spitting in his face. And then some of you were like, yeah, he'd be washing Donald Trump's feet, he'd be praying for him. Okay, put your worst enemy, put your biggest issue, put your, put, put your, Put it, put it in the next slide. You know where Jesus would be? Right there washing them feet. <clears throat> put whatever issue you want to put on the next slide. That's where he'd be. Check this out. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to this life of faith, let us learn to strip off every weight, every hindrance, every sin that the devil has strapped onto our feet like ankle bracelets. These things that are slowing us down, especially the sins that seem so appealing and so attractive 
They just easily trip us up and let us run with endurance. Let us learn to run this race of faith with endurance. The race that God has set before us by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our lives of faith. Because for the joy awaiting him, he endured his own race, the cross, disregarding the shame. And now he is seated at the place of honor at God's right hand. I don't know if you are putting all this together, what I'm trying to tell you, my friend. But your life ends and begins in God, whether you know it or not. And he's given you the freedom to choose the journey in between point A and point B. But one day it will end before him. And at the first day it began in him. What you do in the middle is up to you, but it starts and ends with him and you can't change that. While learning to love ourselves and accept ourselves is a major part of good mental health and proper well-being, it's also just scratching the surface about the beginning place of our true journey. This journey throughout our lifetime is, is meant also to include spiritual rebirth and growth throughout the process of godliness in our lives. Just because we are some way doesn't mean we're meant to stay that way again if the barn needs paint paint that mug but don't go don't go giving more attention to the outside of the barn than the inside briars and stubble I'm gonna just ask you and, and, and this is gonna be unfair because you say oh you're the pastor J just say just say I'm your son-in-law say you're Todd Hibber. I'm your son-in-law, not even the pastor. You want me to have my life together? Yeah. You want me to have a good name? Yeah. You want me to have a good reputation? Yeah. You want, you want me to be a good provider? Yeah. Say, well, what does it matter if I, if, if I got all that going the right way on the outside, but inside I'm full of dead men's bones. I'm full of defilements. Say, ah, no, I think I'd rather have you have the inside right. I know some people, I meet some people every day. Man, on the outside, they got a bunch of stuff. Brother, I wouldn't trade their stuff for where they're at inside for nothing in the world. Now, can they be free? Yes. Does God love them? Yes. Is he at their feet, washing their feet, trying to serve them into redemption? Absolutely. It matters what's going on on the inside. Check this out. Here's another example. Could you imagine if you yourself personally were in an automobile accident that left you debilitated, crippled, or immobile? And then you discovered there was actually a process of rehabilitation that could see you fully restored to health and then accepting that you would forever be crippled and have to stay that way. Well, then you've never truly been crippled. Every crippled person wants to walk again. Every sick person wants to be healed. Every blind person wants to see. Every bound person wants to be free. If you found out there's a way for me to move again and walk again and play ball with my kids again, You'd be like, how fast can we get in the car? Get me an appointment on Tuesday. Then how dare any of us in this room say, I'm broken. I'm crippled. I'm debilitated. I'll just stay this way.